<clears throat> Turn with me then to that passage that we read. And we shall read it, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. <clears throat> And we might read also at further on the words of Mary herself, 48. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaid, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me a blessed. <clears throat> Mary is blessed, the mother of our Lord. And tonight I want us to see why she was able to say that she was blessed. So that you yourselves may know that you are blessed. You and I know that it's all in connection somehow with the Lord Jesus, the Savior. It's your connection that will blessing build blessing to you just as her connection brought, brought blessing to her. Perhaps the connection is a bit different, but still there must be that connection that sources blessing and joy to us. So I'm just going to go through this testimony, wonderful testimony of Mary to see why she is testifying to this blessing that she has. There are perhaps four things that I can say about her. First of all, friends, she is blessed because she is a saved sinner. We know what the Roman Catholic Church says, that they talk about the Immaculate Confection, conception that she was a sinless person and that she conceived Christ without sin, unlike all other births, and that she never sinned and she never conceived again. This is one of the major heresies by which they've elevated Mary to a kind of goddess uh, a sin, uh, an impossible assertion which cannot fit the scriptures for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> so here she is and she is magnifying, she's praising the Lord. Friends, if you want to praise the Lord, you must emphasize this, that you are a saved sinner. She says in verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why is she trusting in a Savior? Because she needs to be saved. She is conscious, very, very conscious of her need to be saved because she feels the weight of her sin <clears throat> upon her. And... Uh, that's the only way we can have sure and certain praise and be truly blessed 
It's with a realization tonight and every night that you're a poor, helpless sinner. And without that Savior coming to save you, without your coming into a knowledge and a dependence on Jesus for everything, including your justification on the judgment day, then you have no source for joy. You have no reason to be joyful. She had no reason to be joyful except uh, that she began here as a sinner saved by grace. And what does she do? How do we know this? Well, being a saved sinner means that she praises the Lord. <clears throat> she says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. This is the response that we must all have. We are, we cannot say enough. We just want to enlarge on our God and show how great and mighty our God is. You remember the lady of West Sutherland, eh, Margaret Mackay, he, she was known as the woman of great faith and a visitor came looking for her and said, are you the woman of great faith? She said, no, I'm the woman of little faith in a great God. She was magnifying the Lord. What can you say tonight? What can you say tonight to magnify the Lord? It begins, doesn't it, with your own confession of helplessness. I just couldn't have done this. I couldn't have turned to Jesus. I couldn't have left forsaken my sin. I couldn't have come out to the church. I couldn't have repented and turned in hatred for my sin. It was all his work. It was all his doing. I'm discovering more and more every day of how great a sinner is that he could, Savior it is, that could possibly have looked my way. As one man said in the revival in Barvis, hell is too good a place for me. The more we see our own worthless vileness, the more we marvel and magnify the Savior, friend, magnify the Lord tonight. She praises. <clears throat> Not only does she praise, <clears throat> but she rejoices. I magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices. How joyful are we? Are we known as the, as the church in story that's full of joy? Is that something that stands out? about us we can't contain our joy our cups running over tell me friends is your cup running over that's the evidence the sign of joy and that's why mary can't contain herself she just bursts out my spirit has rejoiced in god my savior <clears throat> she had many a sorrow after this mary a tasting time she even <clears throat> tried to restrain Jesus at one point and began to doubt. And then she saw her blessed son pierced on the cross. A sword shall pierce thy own soul also. But oh, what a day of resurrection it was when she realized that son to whom she had given birth 
is now risen and glorified as the very son of God, according to the promise. Oh, she wasn't rejoicing perhaps every day, but joy marked her testimony. She never withdrew or retracted from this testimony. If you don't have joy, friends, seek for it. Seek for the means. Reflect on your privileges and blessings. You have a duty for, to joy in God. And if you're not joyful, then you are sinning. She rejoices. <clears throat> she praises. She rejoices. She confesses. She confesses. She says, <clears throat> My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. She's not afraid to go public. She didn't just stay there in Nazareth. She rushed off and raced down to Elizabeth so that she might, together with her, uh, share the wonderful works of the Lord. I can recommend this, friends. Meet up with friends. Meet up with those who have experienced something that you can share and that they understand what you have. How Elizabeth understood, and even the baby in her womb understood what was going on. And it was joy, 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 because... They confessed the goodness and grace of the Lord. She confessed. That's what a saved sinner does. And more this than this, friends, let's look at some of the details that she mentions in her testimony. She testifies to be not only a saved sinner, but an uplifted slave. Excuse me. He has regarded the low estate of his handmaid. Now, what Mary is saying here in the original is God knows the state of Israel just now. We're under slavery. We're in captivity. We're under the Roman heel of oppression. And men and women can just be treated by these soldiers as they please. They can break them, they can bruise them, they can rape them, they can do anything they like to them. And she said, she's saying here, I'm an uplifted slave. I'm a person here. I've got no rights under this Roman authority. I couldn't be lower as far as they are concerned. But there's one above Rome. There's one above Caesar, there's one above Nero or Tiberius or whoever it was at the time. And he is the one who has a different view of me. He has uplifted me. Why? Well, he is regarded, first of all, that is his attention of all the people of that time, of all the young women in Judah or Galilee. <clears throat> Why did he focus in on this one young woman? You and I can't explain it. We know that it is God's 
sovereign choice that he had his attention. One little insignificant person attracted the attention of our sovereign God. And he sent his angel down to tell her, this is what I'm going to do with you. But is it any, it is, is it is so different with you and I, friends? How is it that the Lord of the universe, the one who created the galaxies, who rules the whole of history, should possibly stop and pay attention to you? It wouldn't be remarkable if he just forgot you, if he just went on his way. It's like Bartimaeus, isn't it? <clears throat> a beggar. Nobody pays attention to beggars. But when Jesus, he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. As Jesus heard you cry, he gives attention to those that others don't notice. Nobody in Nazareth would ever have thought that this young woman that he passed by every day was to be the mother of the Son of God born in our nature. His attention fixed on her. How glorious it is. No wonder she's marveling magnifying the Lord. Have you got that awareness of his attention? Trace back in your life and see, ah, I remember. I was gripped by that sermon. That scripture spoke to me. That, per that Christian said a word in my ear. No, friends, that was God's focusing his attention in his purpose, his personal and eternal purpose for you, his attention, his humiliation. She's amazed that he should reach down and do this, do something wonderful in her. How humiliating this was for God to come down and inhabit the womb of this young woman is still a mystery to us. It's beyond our calculation and understanding how this was possible, that the infinite Son of God should be reduced down to this microscopic seed which grew into the person that we know. What humiliation! Even to stay one day there, to stay there nine months, to be carried about by her, then to be nursed by her. How could this be? What upliftment for this woman to be carrying this. Some people have had to carry very precious Messages or jewels or other things. Remember the man who was given a ring by Queen Elizabeth 
on her deathbed. And that man, I think his name was King, but anyway, he had to ride post-haste all the way from London to Edinburgh. I think it took three days. And he didn't speak to anyone or tell anyone what he was doing because he had in his pouch the, the ring of the Queen. And that ring was bestowing kingship on James the sixth kingship to be lord over the whole English empire. But this was something greater. This is something more precious that she is carrying around in her until the day of his birth. Oh, the humiliation. Hot upliftment. No wonder she's called blessed. Yes, there's his incarnation that here was joined together Humanity and divinity in one person and all given in charge to this young woman, to her responsibility. This is no work for a slave, is it? No, this is the work of some, of royalty. And so she was. She was uplifted. Then... Thirdly, friends, she was, and again, we're looking at the blessing that you can claim for yourself. She was blessed because she was an empowered saint, says in verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. What's she talking about? She's saying, do you realize the purity and perfection and holiness and sinlessness that has been imparted to me? And so I've been sanctified for this great purpose. I've been set aside by God, and I was able to say to the angel, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. He had that willingness to be set aside for this holy, holy work. Oh, friends, do you realize what it is to be a holy man? to be a holy woman, to be a holy child, to be set apart for the indwelling God. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Do we imagine it? Do we consider it? Do we magnify it? This is what empowered her speech. This is what lifted her confidence. This is what made her fearless. She was an empowered saint. Say She says here, she, she was directed by his power. <clears throat> his mighty power has done this, and that's what's driving me on my way. This is what I'm living for. 
He has deposited his honor in me. How can I do this? How can I be worthy? I've given myself over to bear myself this as to be a holy vessel unto the Lord. I'm like an ark of the covenant. Well, I must be careful because the Roman Catholics magnify that idea. But here she is carrying, <clears throat> being a vessel of the Lord. <clears throat> he has defined his grace. He has described what grace is by doing this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for our sakes, he became poor, and that poverty involved becoming the child of this young, poor, insignificant woman. And she marvels at this, the defining grace. And then lastly, friends, there's this the beloved child, the saved sinner, the uplifted slave, the empowered saint. Do you have some of that power? Are you being driven along by your consciousness of Christ within you, a child of the living God? Well, she's here. She can describe herself as a beloved child. She doesn't see herself in isolation. She doesn't see herself, well, I'm Mary, that's me. The very word Mary, actually in the Greek, isn't Mary. It's Miriam. Can you get it? Miriam. Miriam arose in those days. She immediately ties herself by her name, and her parents have tied her to Moses, to the Exodus, to the Red Sea, to the Great Deliverance and exodus of God's people from Egypt. I wonder how she felt when Joseph said to her later, we're going down to Egypt. She said, me, Miriam, going to Egypt. How significant is that? And though so she realized three things, I would say, friends. She realized that she was a daughter of Abraham. As he spake to her fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever, she's saying, I am a daughter of Abraham. This is, I am fulfilling what was promised to Abraham a thousand, five hundred years ago. Now he's fulfilling the promise. And he's fixed on me. And it depends on me. For the promise believed by dozens of generations right down to our own time. I was given the name Miriam. And so many people of that time were. We hear of Mary, the wife of Cleopas, Mary, the mother of Joseph and of James, Mary Magdalene. They're all Miriams. I so many Miriams because the people of God at that time were in such desperation to see deliverance that they said, maybe there's a Miriam being born today. <clears throat> and so they gave that child the name Miriam. 
and so did Mary's parents. They gave her that name in prospect, in hope, in faith. She was a daughter of faith, like faithful Abraham. And so she's praising the Lord. Can you not say that, friend? Can you not say, I'm a child of Abraham? We are all the children of Abraham when we have that same faith of Abraham that believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Oh, faith, friends, it's faith. Faith is the vital ingredient. Where is your faith? Is it saving faith? Is it changing faith? Is it empowering faith? Is it justifying faith? Have you got it? It's the gift of God. Just as Mary was given the gift of that child by the Holy Spirit, so you are given the gift of faith. May it bear fruit. Is it bearing fruit? Are you a daughter of Abraham? She said, I'm a child of the covenant. Verse 54. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. She's using that word mercy, which, as you know from the Psalms, is repeated again and again. It's a core Hebrew word, hesed, which means covenant love. The covenant love of the Lord endures forever. It's endured from the time of David, uh, from the time of Abraham, right down to Mary and right down to our age. It's the same. It's the same covenant love that Abraham had, that we have, that Mary has. I'm a child of the covenant. The covenant is fulfilled in me. This is God's covenant of grace, his covenant of mercy. He's remembering he hasn't forgotten it. Has he forgotten it with respect to you, friends? Or can you say, can you rejoice and say, thank God, his mercies endure forever because I am a child of mercy. And lastly, Mary could say, I am a mother in Israel. He hath helped his, his servant, Israel. You know this morning how we went back to Jacob or Israel, as he's often called by the Lord a prince with God, that man who had so many faults and failings and failures and doubts and fears and tragedies and sorrows, many, he said, and sad, sorrowful have been the years, the days of the years of my life. He had many sorrows, but he was a prince with God. And from him came many a mother in Israel, women who rose up and uh, gave birth to mighty men, women who pleaded before the throne of grace. We have had them here in this island in days past, mothers in Israel, 
women to whom you could go. And you were sure to get a, a word from the Lord. You were sure to hear the truth and to get encouragement on the way. And here is Mary. She's a mother to us all in a way because her testimony is like a motherly example to us all, isn't it? How worthy she, we feel she is to be the mother of our Lord, who, well, no one really was worthy of it, but she had that grace given to her, <clears throat> which made her like we all should want to be mothers or fathers in Israel, those who can raise up a new generation to serve him. He said, his mercy is on them that fear him from age to age, generation to generation, fathers to children, mothers to daughters. It's a matter of handing on and passing on the life that we've received by faith and saying, will you not come to Jesus? Let's say to the children, it's time to come to Jesus. Let's say to the old people, why not come now? Share in the joy. As Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, our God, what an example we have in this. Amen. Young woman of Nazareth, chosen of God, this Miriam, who, like her forebears, rejoiced at thy deliverance from uh, the satanic work of the pharaohs of Egypt. Oh, today, Lord, we're faced with a need for a new exodus, a new deliverance, a new awakening, a new evidence of the right hand of thy power. Lay bare thine arm, O God, and may we rejoice like those who have returned from captivity. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.